Welcome one, welcome all. Welcome back to the show, guys. This is Bricks in the Wall. You know what we do here. We just try to shatter and get behind the truth, which is usually covered up by a wall that we all create ourselves. And the reason I created this show is to kind of leave some type of trail for my daughter when she grows older to kind of just figure out what her daddy was into and all the weird stuff he would talk about, but that she didn't really understand. And so today we're actually going to do a little laid back episode. We're not going to get any conspiratory or anything too crazy today. I'm actually, well, I, I know y'all know that this show works off of synchronicity. And basically what happens is I'll just start clicking around in Instagram and go down rabbit holes and see if some people are interesting or see what they're about or what they got. And along came Lisa, Lisa Long, to be honest. And um, she was kind of liking my post and just kind of stalking me kind of on, on the Internet. And um, I started checking out her stuff. I was like, oh, well, this is interesting. It has nothing to do about what we usually talk about here on, on, on this podcast or my Instagram, which is sort of conspiratorial, sort of trying to peer back behind the scenes of what's truly going on. And so she was liking all these posts, but I c- couldn't really wrap my head around if, if uh, how we could make a podcast or something work. But I thought this could be a slow kind of soft intro maybe to my, for my daughter. And it's going to be all to do with food. <clears throat> we all know that the food that's being sold to us on grocery stores isn't good and all that. And we're actually going to go and talk to Lisa about her channel and the kind of little niche she created, which is all about creating her own food, which is and has to do all about health. And uh, we're all about that here. And um, so we're going to talk to her about how she came up with this, uh, maybe a little bit of her childhood and um, how she grew up. She grew this channel to kind of do her own thing. And that's the beautiful thing about the Internet. We all have the power if we put the work in to kind of carve out our own life. And that's really what I like to hear about people carving out their own life and figuring things out and not going through the whole corporate structure or just following the narratives that are given to us by society. So without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show your comrade and mine, Miss Lisa Long. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Hey, I'm great. It's really great to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to do this. Why did you agree to do this? Um, well, I, I have been, you know, stalking your stuff and I like what you post. And and when you reached out to me, I was just kind of like, OK, yeah, let's do this because I, I could go down rabbit holes if you want. But <laughs> um, I don't know. I also like to spread the message of, of health. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, people get it shoved down their throat a lot and they don't want to look at it and a lot of people I noticed, like I could, I could have made a channel just with nothing but like unhealthy food and people love to watch that stuff. It's, you know, it can go viral, mm-hmm. but I, I don't find my passion there. Like, sure. I do have some of that on my channel. Cause who doesn't like a cookie every now and then, but like, so ultimately I wanted to spread the message of, of healthy eating. Cause mm-hmm. I just found so many people were so intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really not that hard. And like, here's some really quick and easy, healthy meals. And let me show you how to do it. And like, show you how easy it is. Cause it's so easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's funny when people say it's so hard to eat healthy and stuff. And no, it's actually pretty, pretty simple. You can just go to any corner store and buy the worst things for you and just harm yourself. But, and it, it actually takes a little bit of work to actually 
it, it sounds easy, but once you get into the hang of it and you pick up the habit and you form the habits, you actually love it and you enjoy it. And maybe just a little short um, story of mine. I used to love Coke. I mean, I think we all do naturally because it's full of mm-hmm. sugar. But um, I, yeah. I made an effort to stop it. And it actually... Um, Sparkling water would would help me stop drinking Coke. And um, after like about a month and of not drinking Coke, I went back and I tried a Coke and I couldn't I couldn't believe how sweet it was. It was actually kind of disgusting. So and I couldn't drink it. And it's just something that little of an example that we can grow accustomed to things that we can think that they're good for us. And just because it's at a grocery store, we can think that oh it's okay. When it's actually really, really harmful, and it's kind of like the beginning of what causes this whole unhealthy society. Well, it's it's just like desensitizing, you know, like you drink these really sugary drinks and they're delicious when you first have them, but as you continue to drink them, you become desensitized. And so when you go to eat an apple or some strawberries, they don't taste as good. Right, right. But when you get off the sugar and you stop drinking those really like concentrated sweet things and you like, like it's amazing within a week, you can have your taste buds totally readjust and you bite into a strawberry and you're like, oh my God, this thing is so sweet. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's also like whenever my my, my, um, ancestors like share recipes with me, like my grandparents or you just read about recipes from the past. There wasn't all this like uh, prepackaged sugar and all, and so like the recipes back then for sweet stuff was usually like you said fruit mixed with honey, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of sugar, but it nothing. It was nothing like it is now, where a little piece of chocolate will have like thirty something grams of sugar. It's like man, what what has happened to society? Like you said, it's just a slow acceptance and a gradual, just being in the narrative and just accepting what's being sold to us and just from there just society just slowly degrades and you'll see pictures of people from the 50s and everyone's thin and relatively healthy and then now you can look anywhere around you and people are just so unhealthy well so um two things i want to talk about my grandma and then secondly have you ever had like a coke with like the real sugar like i think it's from mexico yes 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 and you drink that versus the Coke you can buy here with high fructose corn syrup? Yes, totally different. Totally different. Like, gross. Like, the ones here are so gross. But then you have one from Mexico, and you're like, wow, this is actually doesn't taste like chemicals. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then when you really think about it, Lisa, then you, you start thinking, okay, why why do they sell these things, and why are they allowed? And then it's you kind of just follow. Greed. Yeah, gr- Total exactly. greed. It's- they they want to sell the cheapest product. Right, and then you and have, make the most profit. You have people who are working like in governments or, or for lobbying for big corporations who who push to allow laws that allow companies to sell all these literally cancerous chemicals to us, and other countries like in the UK even for example, they'll have their products are so different from ours. They actually have not as bad chemicals in their stuff compared to ours relatively. Yeah, they have way fewer ingredients. And they have all these pro- like all these things that we're eating and drinking are banned there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, we, it's, it's obvious what they're trying to do. You know, they're just trying to keep us sick. Right, right. Well, let's go to the beginning, Lisa, because I love hearing people's origin stories. And I feel a lot of it stems from childhood. But then I feel a lot of the times people usually go through this thing called 
the dark night of the soul when they will <laughs> go through something where they're either super sick or near death or experience something super scary uh -huh. and they're like oh let me get my shit together and then they go through this whole process of re-educating themselves tell me your story please well I guess it starts with my grandma. Okay. <laughs> like I wanted to talk about her a little. Um, she she was not a, a thin woman. She was pretty heavy. And um, I remember whenever we'd go to her house, she'd you know make us clean our plates, and, and then we'd be able to get dessert. And she had little bowls of candy all around the house. I thought it was for us, but apparently she had a sugar addiction. Oh. And f from that, that put into my family's psyche that we have um we're we have a fat gene like mm. <laughs> we can't control and so we're just going to be fat like there's nothing you can do about it and um i just didn't ever want to believe that was true so i tried to watch myself i saw some of my family members you know gain some more weight And I did. I was kind of overweight most of my life and lost a bunch of weight a couple of years ago on more of a, a starvation diet that I don't recommend. And um, but I, I, it made me realize that I do have control over it. Like I'm not big boned. I'm not I don't have a fat gene. I do have control over it, but I just was an emotional eater. Around what age did you start discovering this, Lisa? Um, in my 40s. Oh, okay. <laughs> so not that long ago. But I did, I did have um, a healthy eating mindset for a long time. Um, since I was a teenager, my mom was, you know, she was yo-yo dieting all the time, trying to be thin and trying to, you know, come up with the diet that would last forever. And I remember her introducing me to like the Adkins diet and she was like, here's the answer to all our problems. <laughs> But that was not. <laughs> And then my dad, he's a pharmacist. So in the back of my head, I remember, actually, I remember really clearly being on an elliptical at the gym when I was in my early 20s, thinking, ah, I was watching the news and I was like, I cannot wait until they have a pill for everything. So all I have to do is take a pill and then I won't have to exercise again. Mm. <laughs> like, that's a crazy mindset. Um, but some people still think that today. I mean, think of... Look at all the people taking Ozempic right now, trying right. to lose weight. Right. It's crazy. Um, so, yes, I was overweight for a lot of my life. I worked out off and on um, and just never really got control over my eating habits until a few years ago where I did um, this diet called Optavia, which I don't recommend. I just actually released a video on this where it is a starvation diet. But good things come from bad things all the time, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned, I learned portion control. I learned that um, it actually led me to another program that has you lifting heavy weights and then like eating, uh, tracking your macros to eat correctly and not have, um, not overeat. Like I'm, I'm in control of my macros if I track everything. And then if I don't, then I just know, like, stuff could happen or not. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I wanted to kind of not fall into the thought of I'm just destined to be fat. So through Optavia, though, I did notice a lot of people were intimidated by the healthy 
healthier way to cook and eat. And that really made me think, well, I could totally, I've always loved cooking and I loved watching Food Network. While everyone was watching like ETV or MTV when I was a kid, I was watching the Food Network. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was just my favorite thing to do. (laughs) So like people like Alton Brown and um, I can't remember that other guy's name, but I remember his face. He was this Asian guy and I just loved watching them cook. And I was like, this is amazing. I I really learned a lot of what I know now just from watching the Food Network. And my mom, you know, she would do things like, here, let let me show you how to cut up a chicken. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that that really, I've I've been looking for, I was looking for an idea of what I could do on YouTube because I I did have a few more channels before I started this last one. About what? And. Well, the first one was my son at the skate park. I just decided to start filming him and posting it. Okay. And, you know, see if I could exploit him for money. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's crazy, though, Lisa, because it is crazy how a lot of people do do that. And I I kind of went down that rabbit hole. Me and my daughter made a couple of videos to teach kids, but I was like, no, I can't do this. I'm not going to exploit my kids. I know. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. Continue. After a while, when he started growing up, though, I realized how kind of damaging that could be because right, right. it's embarrassing for him now. Mm-hmm. Like you so, know that kid Ryan, that. like Ryan's toys, like he's uh-huh. huge on YouTube. Like that, his parents kind of like just totally exploded him, and I feel like he's gonna have a pretty messed up childhood. Yeah, it's just like Hollywood when they yeah, stick their kids yeah, in exactly. movies. Yeah, yeah, And God. it's homemade, though, because it's like they didn't go through the whole Hollywood thing, but they're doing it to themselves, to their own kid. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Okay, sorry. At least they're not, you know, that, yeah, we could go down a rabbit hole there, too. But anyways. Yeah, I, okay, so after the skateboarding one, what, what else did you try? And then I'm, I'm an artist, too. So um, I was an art teacher for 12 years, and I decided... That was another thing. I wanted to get out of teaching. Hmm. So I was trying to do side businesses and um, I was doing ceramics and then I was also doing digital art and I even started teaching on Skillshare and had a few classes on there and then decided to start a YouTube channel showing some stuff and had a few videos that blew up a little bit, but I just didn't have enough. uh, I didn't, I didn't have enough like to teach I guess because I was still kind of new to all of it myself and so I just petered out on that and I just didn't know what to do I I thought about having like a a DIY channel because I I DIY everything at home but that didn't stick and then when the the whole cooking thing happened I was like yes oh my god endless recipes I love cooking I cook all the time and uh, so that was really exciting because I just started it all just started coming together. Wow. I and then lunch, lunch with Lisa was born. <laughs> I love I love those stories. Lisa. It's like I think uh, there, uh, there's a quote. I forget who says it, but it goes something like this. It says there's two days you're born in your life. First, when you're born and then when you discover why. And I feel we all have something like that. I mean, there's failure, of course. You went through a couple of fa- not failures, but you tried a couple of things. Right. And then I learned so much from all of that, though. Exactly. Like, it's not a failure. It's like you're, you're trying, no. you're learning, you're, you're trying to carve out a path. And then all of a sudden you find something that we all do and that we all need to do to survive. But you kind of find your own little angle to kind of like to come at it. And then like now, like I, I scroll through all your hundreds of videos and all your foods like, oh, yeah, I love this. I love this. Yeah. And for the longest, um, 
I never like to cook. You know, I'm a Mexican. Um, we're used to having <laughs> just the women cook. But um, as I grew up now with my wife, um, I, we started getting into healthy stuff. And, like, we love pulling up recipes on YouTube. And we cook. And I'll put cooking music. And we'll nice. just have a good time. And, and it's awesome. And it's fun. And it's like you can have an experience. You can make something beautiful out, out of this just seemingly mundane thing that we all have to do but you can actually kind of like it's a ritual in a sense you know oh yeah oh yeah it's relaxing I love cooking it's so relaxing because I just it's my meditation you know right 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 but tell me Lisa you said you were an art teacher Uh, uh, walk me through that was that an aspiration you had or what happened that led you to wanting to come out of teaching Well, I was drawing since I could pick up a pencil and I love being an artist and it was just something, I don't know. I just, I felt like everyone told me I had a talent for it. And then I went to school, actually, it took me about three years after high school to go to college to decide what to do. Um, And I went for business and I was so bored. Like I had a teacher pull me aside for my accounting class. He was like, you have a real talent for this. I can't, you know, you need to take the next class. And I was like, oh God, no. <laughs> accounting is so boring. Mm. Like what? And so I, uh, I, uh, after about a year and a half in business school, I, I was like, I have, I have to go do art. Like I can't, I, I'm like, my soul is dying. <laughs> mm. And so I, I changed schools and um, I didn't know what to do for my art degree because I didn't want to just have a degree in painting. Like, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. So I heard, overheard my aunt, who is an artist too. She was saying she wished she had gotten her teaching certification or teaching degree. And so I was like, oh, I'll just, I'll become a teacher. And I hated school. I don't know why I did that. Like, I hated school growing up. Mm. So, I mean, what you resist persists, right? (laughs) I I went to school to become a teacher. And by the time I got to my junior year and, you know, was pretty far into my degree, I finally got inside the schools. And I was like, oh, my God, no, I don't want to do this. Mm. (laughs) What am I getting myself into? And then I looked at, like, changing my degree again and that was going to be another two years and I was like I can't go to school for eight years because I was always going to it was already going to be five and a half years in college and I was like there's no way I'm going to go to school even longer to get a painting degree so I was like I'm sucking it up I'll get the education degree and right out of college I got a job like it just landed in my lap and so I was like okay so I was teaching and I did that for 12 years by, by year nine or so, I was like, I have to get out, especially because I had a, a baby. I was a single mom. I was stressed out. It felt really awkward to go drop my kid off at daycare and then go to school to teach all these other strangers' kids. Mm. Like, I want to be with my kid. Right. Like, why can't I be with my child? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I know. It's so sad that we're in this predicament where it's so normal to literally leave your kids to the state like you're leaving leaving your kids to get brainwashed by people who who we don't trust at all and this is just the norm this is what people do you either that or you have to pay dairy care or you have to have so much money to where you can homeschool them yourself i know and i was doing this all by myself so it was it was very jarring and i tried to like figure out since the moment he was born like what else can i do how do i get out of the system Mm. 
And that's kind of like around 2010 is when I started realizing things aren't what they seem. What specifically do you think? It was the whole 9-11 stuff Mm. um, that started coming out of like, what if it really didn't happen this way? And I was like, what? And it stopped me in my tracks. And I had to like think about it for a while. And then I, I was like, no, I can't go there. It's, it's like something inside of me said, no, you can't go there right now. You need to just do what you need to do to survive right now. Because wow. you have a child to take care of. You're by yourself. Mm. Like, th- just go back to sleep. Stay in the matrix for a little while. Wow. <laughs> you know? That's interesting. And it was, yeah, it was crazy. But the thing is, once Lisa, I think once you get a, a little taste of that, pe- once you get that little inkling of light, like people can shut it off. Like you don't ever hear of someone who kind of glimpses the truth and never wants to see it again. It, it like it pulls you in. It's just it's it's calling for you, you know? Yeah. I mean, what was great, though, is since I was a teacher, I could see the other side of things. And I got sucked into that for a while. I was like heavy into atheism and just like laughing at people who were who were kind of looking at the truth for a while like I I was there I was on that other side like I know exactly what these people are going through and how confused they are because they don't want to see what's underneath it because it's scary Mm -hmm. and so once I got out okay so I taught and I finally like my kid was in school too I did not want to put him in public school because I knew what happened there, and I I didn't like it myself. What is what would that be, Lisa? What do you what are some of the characteristics people pick up from public schools that are not um, positive, maybe? Well, it's 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 the hidden curriculum that they don't talk about, and well, I mean that's kind of becoming unhidden right now. (laughs) It's crazy, but it's it's like what they teach kids is is very disheartening because I was an art teacher in high school and by the time they got to me they were so not willing to be creative and Mm. take risks Mm. and I'm like it's a piece of paper it's a piece of clay just make something out of it like it doesn't even have to be good and they're like I just don't know like I can't and I'm like what is wrong Mm -hmm. like these and I taught but I taught elementary too so I I saw the transformation which was like these kids were so eager to come in and just make a mess and then all of a sudden in high school they're like and I know it's part of like a, a development thing with kids too but it's still like why can't you just take a little bit of a like it's just like no one's gonna see this but you and me right right yeah and uh it it was just like what is killing these kids like desire to learn or grow or try new things and i i was like it's just they're beat down because they're told what to do and when to do it and it's not like any kind of choice or any kind of fun and they're they're told to learn all these things that may not even matter when they graduate. Exactly. Like, yeah. Who remembers what they learned in high school? <laughs> the only thing I really remember is teachers like drilling me how to take tests, like how, how to analyze mm-hmm. the questions and how to eliminate qu- uh, answers that are not it. Literally, that's most of what I remember. But right now, while you were talking, Lisa, it reminded me of there's a YouTube channel called After School where they'll take speeches and on a whiteboard kind of make a, oh, yeah. a, a drawing about the whole story. And there was one that stuck with me, and it was about this academia and education and creativity. And they drew this awesome picture where it showed a little kid, you know, all creative. And they were saying, kids are born as 
artist and scientist. Like they want to mm-hmm. figure out how everything works and they want to just be creative. But as you yeah. put, and then they drew this kid going to school and basically the school was like a, a box, a machine. And once you put them in, it only put in like, um, what was it called? Um, uh, self-doubt and like uh, a fear. And it took out all the creativity and all the wanting to figure out things. Like all that, that the mind, how it, the child mind just wants to figure out how, how things work. It takes that all away from them because they're being put through the system that kind of just wants to force everyone to be the same. You know what it is? It's because they attach a grade to everything. Mm, yes, that's it. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Like it, it it rewards kids who get the right answer, right? Or right. get the get the answer that the teacher wants them to put. Right. Yeah. You just regurgitate what they want to hear. That's indoctrination. Exactly. Exactly. And so after you saw this, what was your plan? You were like, I need to get out. Yeah, I didn't know what I was gonna do, but. I had a, a coach at the time who was kind of coaching me through just my business and like what I was doing on the side and stuff. And um, it just kind of emboldened me to finally speak up for myself, take take control, I guess. My kid was having a really rough time in school as well because he's super brilliant, but just you know an active boy a really highly active boy and that's not the school is not made for those kinds of kids and so he would get in trouble a lot Mm. and um it was just getting really bad he had to switch schools a few times and the last school he was in was terrible and he was in this terrible behavior class that he didn't need to be in and they they were just he was falling through the cracks of the system And I felt like I had my hands tied because I was a teacher in the school district and they wouldn't listen to me. They wouldn't do anything that I asked. They, it just felt like I was being screwed. Mm. So like, cause being a teacher versus being a parent, a parent felt like, you know, you had more weight, but since I worked for them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was just kind of a weird situation. So I got really mad. Actually, I quit my job after I got really mad about something that happened. I don't even remember what that was now. And like, you didn't even have a plan or anything? You just like quit? I had a plan. I I was an artist and I was making ceramics at the time. So I just figured I'd go all in and make more ceramics and try to sell them and, and, um, you know, pursue my art full time. Because I was, I have another Instagram, Lisa Long Designs, that was blowing up a little bit here and there. But um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't feel prepared and I probably didn't prepare enough, but I just felt like, you know what, this is the time and the universe is going to have my back. Like I'll figure it out. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Cause I mean, what do you, what, like I've been, I was like, I felt like I had been stringing myself along for the last three years and nothing was changing. So I was like, I have to change something. Right. And so, that's like total surrender. Like you're totally trusting yeah. the universe. Like that's, man, I, I, I wish I could do that sometimes. Because I don't know. I wanted to ask you first. Lisa, did you, were you having like weird dreams, Lisa, that were kind of like telling you to like, it's time to go? No, I don't think so. I don't remember having any dreams. But I do remember just like, I think it was anger. I got really angry. Like something happened at his school. And it pissed me off so much that I was like, I'm done. Like, I have to get out because I have to pull him out. 
and I, I don't remember what it was. Wow, <laughs> it that's made me that, But, you know, it made me also realize that anger is a really awesome emotion. Yeah. Like, if you it can moves it, you. If you can harness it, though, because if it runs yes. away from you, you can do some messed up things. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was one of those things where I got really angry. I said, I really want to quit, but I'm going to sleep on it. I woke up the next day and I go, yep, this is my day. I'm resigning. Wow. And it was like in April. And I wrote, I wrote, wrote my re- resignation letter that I was going to be gone at the end of the year. And then nobody, nobody even fucking cared. Wow. <laughs> that just goes to show how easily like people are just replaceable at a job. Yeah. When people think that, oh, I'm so important, I need to do this, or I can't leave, no. it's like you're replaceable so quick. They can just change you. But you, to yeah. your family and to the people around your community, you're irreplaceable. So it's more important that you kind of lead more leniency and more like uh, more of your honor toward your the people who really matter in your life instead of just the yeah. jobs. Yeah, I didn't want to be in that corrupt system anymore anyways. So it was like felt unethical to be a teacher at that point for me just because of everything that goes on inside a school district. So I was ready to get to leave a long time before that. It would just, I needed a kick in the pants Mm, and becoming a mama bear and wanting to protect my child is the ultimate like thing, I guess to move me. And, uh, and then I, I just went full time with my art. I left my kid in school for one semester after that. And, um, then more stuff started happening at his school again. Like I got a phone call every single day. And so eventually I just pulled him out. This was in 2019. So I pulled him out in December, 2019. And wow. we started, we, we played around with online school, which was horrible. And then I just decided let's just unschool. We're just going to unschool. We're going to de-school first. We're going to act like school doesn't exist and like get it out of our systems and then we'll, we'll figure out, like, he hated to learn at that point. He was only in fourth grade. Oh, and he wow. was, like, did not want anything to do with teachers or lessons or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I just was like, fine, be a kid. And he started learning on his own. Like, wow. he taught himself Russian. Like, he can really? speak some Yes, he's crazy. Wow. Um, he, now he plays, he's 13 now. He plays the electric guitar and the bass guitar. And he taught himself last October. Wow. And after three months, he played better than someone who's been playing for like a year. Oh, God. Because he had so much time to sit there and practice because he doesn't go to school. Yeah. See, like that's what humans did for most of life. Schooling is only like a a hundred or so years old. And it's like we're we're trying to force these kids to be rigid. And it's like that's that's detrimental. And I feel that's one of the main issues, education, that kids grow up to be so messed up. And we have just this society that's run amok. Well, I like this analogy of um, it's it's or it's a metaphor when a kid is out in the forest and playing, he's learning and, you know, experiencing the forest mm. and along, along comes and along comes, you know, the education system, plucking the kids out of the forest and putting them inside a cold box where they can read about the forest in books. Oh, wow. That's powerful, man. Yeah. I'm going to remember that. I love that. Yeah, it also reminds me of, uh, what was I just going to say? Oh, if you ask your kid, when do you feel I love you the most? And usually, mm. more than often than not, they'll say, when you play with me. 
And it's like, wow, yeah. that's how powerful playing is. Like, and that's true. That's where you learn when you're kind of like playing, when you really love something, you're playing with the guitar, you're playing with the piano, you're playing mm-hmm. with whatever casts your interest. And then from there, I don't know, you just figure things out. Okay. And so tell me now, Lisa, you, your kid was having troubles. You pulled him out. He, he started learning on his own. And when does the food thing come into, into play? So I guess in, um, in 2020, all that crap happened. <laughs> we were, we, it was actually like a really good year for us. Wow. <laughs> like, we had so much fun and we enjoyed being at home. And, um, I noticed that I was putting weight back on. I mean, I think everyone did that year, but mm-hmm. I had a friend who was pushing this MLM Optavia. And that's when I, I hopped aboard that, I guess in 2021, right at the beginning of that year. And that's, it was crazy though because my my huge spiritual awakening happened during 2020 because I realized and it like it all came back to me. I was able like I was out of the system for about a year and I was able to like sit there and think about this and process everything that was going on instead of being wrapped up in all the doing. Mm. If I were a teacher at that point, we would have been going crazy trying to figure out how to like teach from home. Wow. Right? And I would have been wrapped up in all the doing. And I wouldn't have been able to like process what was really happening. And I felt like that was such a blessing like that I created for my life to like leave that system, to be able to be open and hear and present everything that was happening at that point. Mm -hmm. Because I could see past the newsreel, you know, like, and it was crazy. I had a friend who was kind of guiding me through everything too. And it was like, it was blowing my mind and I was freaking out. I really had like, like almost a mental breakdown. Like guiding you through what Lisa, the, the eating properly or what? No, this was all about like what was really happening. Like I, oh, okay. I see. About like the, the truth about COVID. How, okay. I see. The, yeah. The control, like the lies, everything was just like hitting me all, all oh, at okay. once. Okay. And I started cleaning my house. <laughs> Metaphorically then, or literally? Like, what? What do you mean, metaphorically or literally? No, literally. Like, started, like, ripping up the carpets and, like, vacuuming. Because oh. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do. Because I was like, oh, my God, what is happening? <laughs> so um, I feel like from that, I started learning a bunch and, and going down so many rabbit holes. And one of them was about being overweight. And it, and it felt like, okay, I got the message when you're ready to let go of the weight, it will fall off. And I was like, well, how is that going to happen? (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Easier said than done, right? Yeah. I was like, whatever. That's stupid. I mean, I I was like, I I want to believe this, Mm -hmm. but I was like, that's never going to happen. But then I feel like serendipity, all that stuff, like it was destined that I, I fall into this this MLM that I don't recommend. <laughs> like it, it helped me see that I could lose the weight. And it was a matter of me overeating and that I, I was eating emotionally. And I, I, even if I, I had like the healthiest diet, like I wasn't eating any sugar. I was eating like more paleo kind of stuff and like fruits, vegetables, meats, nuts, you know, grain, a little bit of grain, but not even bread. I don't think I ate much bread. 
So it was like, why am I still overweight? Well, you can be overweight and overeat any kind of food. So just the fact that you're eating healthier foods does not necessarily mean that you're going to be thin if you eat a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that was just my problem was I was eating a lot of it because I, I, I know I'm an emotional eater. And it's not when I'm stressed out. It's more of like when I don't want to feel something. Mm. So if I'm, if I'm, and I don't realize it, like I'm just, I'm like hungry or I want to go graze. It's because I'm not feeling my feelings. Mm, that's interesting. I, I've heard somewhere, I read a long time ago that if you have a child and they're like sad or upset, don't ever reward them or give them like a candy or something. Don't use candy no. or sweets or food as a reward because you'll entrain them subconsciously to when they get older, whenever they do a little success or even when they're doing feeling bad, they'll revert to that behavior and just start eating, like you said, emotionally. That's, that's just, I think that comes from just adults not being an emotionally mature themselves mm-hmm. because they can't sit there and say, oh, my, my kid is having an emotion. Let's talk through it or let's let them process it. Um, right. Yeah. They, want the they just want to make pill. them feel better right away. Yeah. Here, here's a candy bar. Yeah. You know, like, what? no. <laughs> right. Yeah. Emotional maturity is lacking in so many places right now. Um. And then, so tell yeah. me then what happened, Lisa. What helped you rein in that uh, emotional eating? Uh, not being able to eat. I think the starvation diet really helped me see, like, where I wanted to go eat. And after a while, it didn't work. It was bad because it messed with my hormones where I, I didn't really know when I was really hungry or if I was just emotionally eating at that point. So, but it did, like, Depriving myself of food, it, it, like I was eating 800 to 1,000 calories a day, which is not a lot. I don't recommend it. Um, but like right now, I'm in a little bit of a calorie deficit, like 1,300 to 1,500 calories a day. And that's still hard. And I have to like stop myself and not go, like I, I really noticed that I, I want to go eat like a bunch of chocolate or I want to go, you know, finish off the ice cream. <laughs> and it's, mm. it's like, why? Well, Either I'm bored or I don't want to feel something. And I'm trying to, you know, feel some endorphin rush from the food instead. Mm-hmm. And so do you think it's actual, uh, just a psychological thing? Or do you think your body might be hungry and you're just, you're not feeding it maybe what it, it should have, like protein or I don't know? I'm, I'm, I'm eating 125 grams of protein a day. So I don't think it's that. I think it's... Um, it is you when you do go into a calorie deficit. Yeah, you're going to be hungry. It's it's manageable until it you starve yourself, and then it becomes the hormones in your body going. Uh, we don't want to die. You need to go eat. <laughs> so for me right now, I let myself gain some more weight back, and then um, got to where I wasn't starving, and. Um, was able to feel full again. So now that I'm in a calorie deficit, I still feel a little bit hungry, but I realize I'm trying to be hungry right now because I want to lose some more fat just to get my weight down again. But it's not necessarily like, um, like I'm not starving myself. So I'm getting the nutrients I need, but I am depriving myself a little bit, which does help me kind of see where I'm still emotionally eating. Because even when I was eating at maintenance, I, I would go eat more. And I'm like, wait a second. 
you don't really need this much food. Mm. Uh, You're just wanting to eat more for some reason. Why is that? And so questioning myself constantly is something that I've grown accustomed to do. Mm. It's like, am, am I really measuring my food right? Am I really eating enough? Am I eating too much? Why do I want to eat right now? Am I really hungry? Mm. It's just a lot of things I I constantly ask myself because I I don't want to be malnourished, but I also don't want to to be overweight. (laughs) I just don't. It it becomes the it does cause health problems because I I actually did have a little dark night of the soul um, in 2017. Or I think it was, yeah, it was around there. I was 37 and my son was going to camp. So maybe it was 2018. I, um, I had a really bad stomach ache and I couldn't figure out what it was. And it was kind of coming and going a little bit. And then I had like an apple and it got really bad. And I went and go, I went to go pick my kid up from camp and it was really bad. And then it did stop hurting until like midnight, I couldn't go to sleep. And I was like, I, I remember a student of mine, I had just finished teaching that year and a student had gone to the hospital for um, an appendix oh, first. And I was like, I was like, it's in the right side of my body. I was like freaking out a little bit going, maybe it's my appendix. Oh, no. I was like, I think I need to go to the doctor. <laughs> Cause oh, I, I was taking ibuprofen and nothing would help. Like the pain was just screaming at me. And I was like, I think I'm going to die. <laughs> like was laying in bed. My child's, you know, like seven years old. He's, he's in his bed asleep. Oh, no. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And it was midnight. And um, I didn't want to leave him here alone or, or anything. So I just, it was weird because I just posted on Facebook. But I didn't know who to call. And uh, two of my friends instantly reached out. One was in the neighborhood. She came over and stayed here while my other friend picked me up and took me to the hospital. Great. So it was crazy. And like right at the moment that I decided I need to go to the hospital and I called people or I, I got a ride, it was like my pain just went away. Oh, and so it was man. like my body was telling me. So when I went to the ER, they they scanned me and I had di- diverticulitis. And they said it was so bad that it could have burst and I could have died. Oh, God. And I was like, I have a really high pain tolerance. Wow. <laughs> And so um, from that, I realized, man, what am I putting in my body? Like, or what, what is going on that I'm not like feeding myself correctly? Um, well, you I think were, it was. You were eating healthy though, they, right, Lisa? At yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was. Apparently I wasn't eating enough fiber. Oh, wow. And that, that, I mean, I was eating a really high, high protein, high fat, like I was doing more like paleo keto kind of stuff. Mm. And I would have like a, a green smoothie every day or something. What, and would, this, what would be in that they, green smoothie? Like a lot of vegetables and some fruit. And I thought, surely that's enough fiber. But from what I can, what I fathom now, when you break things down that much, it, it actually doesn't help you. It, it just floods your body with more sugar than it does. Right, um, right. Cause you like, it's better to eat the vegetable whole than blend it up. Right. But you know, if you have to blend it up, whatever. But at that point I just wasn't putting enough fiber in my body. I thought I was, 
but I, I don't, I don't think I was. <laughs> so I, that's what the doctor told me at least. And I also think it was stress, even though the doctor laughed at me when I, I asked him if it could have been stress. He laughed. And, oh my God. Yeah. What an ass. He's like, no, it's not stress. That's usually that the happen. number one issue of any disease. Well, yeah, especially in the stomach area for, for stress. It's, right. it's like it, for me, at least, it, it's like it's all in my stomach and, and in the tops of my shoulders, I'll get tense. But yeah, so that really kind of woke me up because I was 37 having to go get a colonoscopy that I had to pay out of my pocket for because insurance wouldn't cover it because they only cover it if you're over 50. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. Oh, so I, I'm aiming my body. Hmm. So just, yeah, losing the weight. Like after that, I did lose some weight on my own, just doing some like exercise and dieting and stuff. And it, that wasn't healthy either. So I was drinking a lot of caffeine. Like I was trying to do all these quick fixes. <laughs> now I realize it's just a lifestyle change. You just have to, you know, build muscle and feed your body right. Exactly. Yeah, and, I know. It's, it's weird how many mental gymnastics people do to kind of like, not really hit the root of an issue and it really is just kind of like like you said well, i was trying to figure out what was like the little switch that flipped on you that got you to lose the weight and like from what i'm hearing it's just an awareness of, of how you're eating your eating habits and really paying attention to why am i eating am i really supposed to be eating am i eating enough like all those questions that people don't want to do like you said they just want the pill or like the quick shortcut or follow uh, the diet that somebody yeah. else said and like before while I was preparing for the show you were telling me that everybody's different factors vary for every kind of person where they're from genetics all kinds of things tie into mm -hmm. like that that make it difficult for people to lose weight or even gain weight yes yeah so everybody is different and for me getting diverticulitis was actually helpful because I would have flare-ups after that when I wasn't feeding my body right. Like, mm. my body would tell me, wow. and I would instantly feel bad. And so I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because I'd have to go on a liquid diet for a couple days, and that was no fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I haven't had any flare-ups except one, and I think it was due to stress, totally due to stress, um, since I lost the weight. So... That's amazing. If you don't mind me asking, Lisa, how much weight did you lose? Because you look great. You're fit. I mean, your videos, oh, nice. everything's yeah. great. How, how, how long did it take for this transformation to occur? Well, on a starvation diet, you can lose it pretty fast. Yeah, but the, you, um, you, you, didn't, you don't recommend that, right? No, no. So with Octavia, I did lose 33 pounds in about four months. And I gained about, um, I would say I, I gained about 15, no, 15 pounds back. No, no, more than that. I had gained like 25 pounds back. So like I was pretty much gaining it all back, but I was doing that while lifting weights. So what happened was when I did lose all that weight, I tried to maintain the weight loss without working out. Really, I'd, I'd go on walks or whatever, but um, I was trying to eat less, but I was eating too little and I became malnourished and my hair started falling out. I started getting skin rashes and my nails wouldn't grow and just was not good. And so 
I finally realized, oh, I, I, I need to feed my body correctly. I didn't know how that to do it until I found macros, macronutrients, and like the balances and proportions of that. And then knowing how to track them, that really helped me see. Like I went from like eating healthy, then starving myself on this diet, and then like unlearning. Like I didn't know how to eat healthy anymore. It was weird. I got this like disordered eating mentality of like, no, I want to stay skinny. So I need to, you know, starve myself. So my mom was so afraid I was, I was becoming anorexic, but I was like, no, I love food too much. I can't do that. (laughs) (laughs) But I will also just wanted to learn, like, how do I nourish my body correctly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And tracking macros has helped me. I know it's not for everybody because some people don't want to weigh their food or whatever, but that to me feels like I have more control over what goes in my mouth now than I've ever had before. Mm. And it's helping me get enough nutrients. So I have my hair back. I have my nails back. I've my skin cleared up and like I, I get enough of the nutrients I need. So macro tracking, but also like micronutrient tracking where you, you see, okay, well, am I getting enough of these vitamins and minerals and where can I fill in with supplements? Right, right. Yeah, because there's a whole lot of things that we, we can't get from food. We actually need to supplement. And then it's mm-hmm. kind of sad how, we're, okay, we go through, what, 12 years of school and then eight more if we're lucky or we want to. And we don't learn how to, how to take care of our body or how to, like, grow our own food or, like, how to raise another human being. Like, the things that really actually matter. Because the state wants to take care of all that for us. Right, right, right. They want us dependent <laughs> on them. But, yeah, it's crazy. And, like... It, this is just one story, and it's crazy. Like, you did speak of how you went through an atheistic bout, and then hearing your story and how you said you kind of exited the whole teaching workforce a year before the whole COVID thing, do you feel maybe that there is some type of, I don't know, not a person, God, or, or you think there there's something out there kind of guiding us or kind of watching over us, helping us figure things out, or do you think we all got to carve out our own thing? Well, I don't feel... Like, I, I don't like the idea of being alone in the world and just thinking that I have to, like, figure it all out. Like, that that really is scary to think about. Like, the atheist part of me was embracing the temporariness of life and being very grateful that we're here for the short amount of time that we are and just it being a miracle. But but then I, I, I like, something else it has to be like, even if it's just like our higher selves have helping us along or um, maybe just the universal consciousness or I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like how, how is anyone going to know? Like we don't know, but, but we can think about it and it really does. It, it feels better (laughs) to think that there's something out there helping me, protecting me, and guiding me and, you know, setting up some things to where I can make choices still and, and still supporting me for my greater good, whatever that's going to be. Like, it just feels good. And it feels better to, to think about it being, you know, held versus having to go fight for everything myself and being alone. No, yeah, right. Because it sounds like from all the stories that I hear from people, it's like when they really kind of like listen, to really listen to themselves or really like focus or really like 
introspect and really pay attention to what's going on and they actually kind of make a plan and go with it, they have a bigger, higher chance of success than just kind of like winging it and hoping things are just going to fix themselves or fall on your lap. And it's kind of like, it's like you, I like how you said, it's probably just our higher mind, but it takes some type of reflection or introspection to really kind of listen to what, to what our next step should be. Yeah, and, and sometimes you don't even have to do that much work. You just kind of have to go with your gut and like mm. really feel like what what is going to be the best thing for me right now? Like what is the best choice? I love that. And, and then also too, like emotions, like anger and stuff that can move you. Like those are, you have to listen to those too. Those are there for a reason. Right, right. Like that's when I, I, I thought anger was bad. You know, we shouldn't be angry. And I was like, wait a second. No, I can use this. <laughs> yeah. Like do something that I'm afraid to do and just go for it. Yeah, I know. I love it. And it's and it's so simple. It's food. But I wanted to ask you this, Lisa, because <laughs> it looks like all your food is delicious and it's all like really healthy. And you said you have to like keep a strict thing or you'll kind of fall back and you'll flare up. Do you ever kind of like uh, cheat or what are your little things that you do whenever you kind of want to not be so strict? So for me now, like I used to kind of be more strict, but now it's like no food is off the table. I do have a set of um, like desired macros. Like I know where my maintenance calories are and I know where my deficit calories are. Um, you know, it's a guess, but, but it's like around there, if I eat like at least this much, I know at least I'm getting enough fuel for my body. And then I'm not going to eat just all carbs. I'm going to throw in some protein and like make sure I get enough to actually help my body recover from what I do to it in the gym. But like I have not put any food off the table anymore. And I that's a personal choice because when I did go to the doctor for diverticulitis, they did run a bunch of tests on me to see if I was sensitive to any kinds of foods. And I even took a food sensitivity test too. And I'm not. Like <laughs> there's no reason for me to be gluten-free because I'm not sensitive to it. I'm not sensitive to, to lactose or I'm not lactose intolerant or anything. So like I can literally have everything and be fine. It's um, the balance. Right. It's if I have just sugar all day. Yeah. My body is not going to do well on that. <laughs> right, right, right. So for me, it's like, as long as I have the nutrients I need, I'm going to let myself have certain things. That's why I started this other, like a series on my channel called a weekend treats where I, I made, I started making like healthier treats, but then I was like, screw it. Let's just make like the real thing. Mm. <laughs> like all it is is portion control. Just don't eat the whole batch of brownies. Just have one, right. put the others aside or give them away. And, you know, at least you can, you know, have what you crave, you don't have to overdo it though. If you allow yourself to have everything, then you're not restricting anything from you that feels like, oh my God, I have to have it, you know? Mm, I love that. That's so interesting. That's so aligns with the idea of, I forget who this guy was, but he was trying to help uh, alcoholics become sober. And his, uh. his different approach was like, don't cut it out. Like you can drink, just mm. be moderate and control yourself. And it really is that simple. It's hard. It, it is really fucking hard for people to like, be be disciplined but if you can do that it changes everything and it's hard but you just have to make that switch in your head and it's it's really hard for people but 
it, like you said earlier, you mentioned something like once you want the way to fall out or once you really want something and you actually like really determine yourself and don't be lazy about it. Don't cut corners. Don't do it for a week and then fall off. Like be diligent. Eventually, whatever you want will come to you. It might take time, yeah. but it will, it will come. It takes discipline. It takes determination and it takes doing hard things. And you just have to like suck it up sometimes. <laughs> but, but yeah, like when I was having like major cravings after starving myself for a while, like my hormones were out of whack and I was constantly thinking about food. Like when I was going to eat next, it was my body, like wanting to feed my, feed me. And, um, particularly like cake was like a big thing for me for a little while. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to start making cakes. I bought this book and I was like, I'm going to make every cake in this book. And it was like 50 cakes. And so I made one cake a week and I didn't eat all of it. I, I, I think the first one I kind of went overboard, but then like the other ones I would have a little bit, I'd either give it away or I'd let my son eat it or I'd throw it away. And then, um, I think I got to like 12 cakes and I finally was like, you know what? I'm good. I don't need cake anymore. I don't want to make anymore. I'm good. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's kind of like your parents yeah. to making you smoke the whole box of cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. Man. Well, Lisa, this is great. Uh, we could definitely do another one. And we didn't even really talk about, like, your channel. So uh, please talk, uh -huh. give us a little bit intro about it. People, you have a channel on YouTube. People can find you. Uh, plug it all up, please. Yeah, it's called Lunch with Lisa, where I make quick and easy healthy meals to get you through your week. <laughs> and um, I come out with a new video every Wednesday. And these, they're great, guys. I really want to try uh, to make your blackened uh, shrimp with lettuce, right? Oh, that looks yeah, really good. good. I'm going to try to make that this weekend. But uh, yeah, guys, it's really that simple. You don't really need to like have a health coach or anything. It really is just moderation and being able to be uncomfortable for a while. And that's where the magic happens. I realized uh, working out sucks, meditating sucks, uh, going to sleep early sucks. But if you do it, it, it makes a whole lot of difference in your life. And so yeah. thank you, Lisa. Um, if you, if you, you had the years of the whole world and you could share one message with the whole world, what would you say? Just stay curious. Love it. It's simple. Damn, simple, <laughs> simple. I love it. Thank yeah. you, Lisa, for doing this. Uh, we'll do it again sometime soon. Um, thank you for being you and for uh, posting the things that you post. Thank you, Juan. All right, guys, that was Lunch with Lisa. Please, please go check out the links, guys. I'm telling you, these recipes look so fucking good. I'm going to really make that lettuce uh, uh, shrimp. But um, y'all, go check out the links below and um, get healthy. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. Peace. All right, guys, I hope y'all enjoyed that. That was Lisa from Lunch with Lisa. Um, if y'all been paying attention for the last, I think, four to five guests, they've all been previous teachers. I think that's pretty strange. And I don't know, I just have this theory, y'all heard it before, that all the people who are actually trying to help others heal or become better versions of themselves, they're all shamans, digital shamans. <clears throat> yeah, sure, they, <clears throat> they may not have some of the rituals or techniques or rites that all the ancient shamans did, such as living outside of the city, um, not convenient, not talking to regular people, just being off on their own, you know, educating themselves, learning mystical things that can help them heal others. 
So I think these are the characteristics now that have morphed into the new digital shaman, which is kind of a recluse. He doesn't really live in society. He only connects with other like-minded people. They're craving, they're carving out their own path. It's just really fascinating. And I think all the people who wanted to teach or who were teachers realized that they were in a platform that really couldn't sustain what they wanted to teach or educate to others. They were kind of held back. They were tied into a curriculum that they had to teach. And I think that's pretty sad because I feel if we had teachers who had the freedom to teach what they really were passionate about, we'd have a much better world and we'd have much better kids educated with people who were actually passionate and who actually cared about what they do instead of just having all these teachers who now just do a job. And most kids nowadays, they just hate learning. It's become a thing that's static. It's boring. You're just sitting down being forced to learn things that you don't want to learn about. It's it's terrible. But I think I'm just jammering on now. So while I was talking to Lisa before the show, actually, we spoke a little bit and we spoke about how she's from Dallas and I'm from Houston. And um, for the longest, they've been talking about creating this um, monorail, like a train that connects Dallas and Houston. And I think they're about to do it. They just approved it. And um, me and Lisa were talking about how probably for the longest that hasn't been allowed because of the oil industry and how they have a tight control on how people can move. And that the price of gas is really just based on the on the allowed movement that you're allowed to make. It's really just fucked up. It's it's contrived and controlled by people on top. But if people had the freedom to freely travel, like if you could really just travel to India and experience India without having to... Of course, there's a, pri- a price to pay to, to travel, but imagine you could travel freely and experience different cultures around the world and how open your mind would be. It's just controlling people, you know, leaving them in a certain sector in a city and just controlling them, controlling the food that they eat, the TVs or the shows, the media that they watch, everything, controlling it. And it's sad. Again, I'm just rumbling, rambling. <clears throat> but to finish off, since uh, me and Lisa were talking about Texas, I wanted to share with you all this song from Lucas Nelson, which is Willie Nelson's son. Uh, we all love Willie Nelson here in Texas. It's all about freedom, smoking, and, you know, just having your own land and being with your family. So this song is called Just Outside of Austin. And so beautiful. I, I don't really listen to country, and I don't know how I discovered this song, to be honest, but I love it. So this is just to remind you how simple and beautiful life can be. If you're just, you know, being your own human you're with your family, you know, not really following the narratives that are fed to you, not really being controlled by the fear that is pushed on you, but just being a normal human living just outside of Austin. So thank you for listening to the show. Please check out the links. And remember, know thyself, improve thyself, find the others, and then you'll know what to do. This is Just Outside of Austin with Lucas Nelson. Peace.
The cedar trees, the morning air, the way the dew sits on her hair So peacefully below a Texas sky I think I'll leave her lying there and take a walk I don't know where Just bathing in the sunlight in my life I hear the sound of windy leaves and summer birds And gently flowing rivers, creeks and pools up from the spring the water on the rocks is getting louder as I walk towards whatever life may bring. Just outside of Austin, high as I've ever been. Thank mm-hmm. you.